Welcome back to World Changers. Today, we are talking about... Who are we going to talk about, Steve? Tell them. Well, let me just put it this way. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, in his autobiography, said, quote, Humility. Imitate Jesus and Socrates. Socrates. Well, we did Jesus later, but today we're talking about Socrates. All right. Sounds good. So let's... Uh, should we just jump right into his life? Yeah. We're gonna, let's just start... Do a quick summary of his life. So if you guys are doing a project at school for Socrates, you just need a quick Wikipedia Sparknotes kind of summary. This is it. We'll follow that up with... Uh, his biggest accomplishments, what he's known for, go a little bit into his uh, philosophical writings and work, yeah. and we'll, we'll kind of catch up there. Yeah, and then we'll uh, do a few quotes and cool stories like we usually do. Okay, sounds good. Okay. Uh, all right, let's jump right in. All right. Socrates was born around 470 BC in Athens, Greece. So he's pretty old. He's... Uh, He's probably one of our oldest guys. I think Buddha still beats him. Yeah, he would be second to Buddha. I think, yeah. Right? So, t- uh, listeners, just keep that in mind. The old, the farther back we go, the the hazier and fuzzier these facts and stories get. So just take that with a grain of yeah, salt. Yeah, sort of the less facts we have about their life. That exactly. We know for sure. He was the son of a stonemason, a sculptor, and so he would have learned stonemasonry and, and sculpting from his father when he was young. His father's name, not important. Uh, no teacher will ever ask you this, but it looks fun to say. Sophronoscus. Yeah? Is that pretty good? fun to say. Yeah. Try it. You can try it. Um, and his mother was named Fainaretti. Uh Anyways, we're not going to pronounce any more Those names. The exact pronunciation. Yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy <laughs> names here. Um, but yeah, so what you were saying he was a... Yeah, start off as a stonemason. He worked as a mason for many years before devoting his life to philosophy, and he didn't make very much money. He kind of lived in poverty. Yeah, yeah. He um, he also was a soldier for a period of time, uh, like about twenty years, maybe, or, or at least the the conflict, the Peloponnesian War. Yeah, um, was about you know twenty five years ish, and uh, yeah, he served. Uh, in the Peloponnesian War, he served at Delium, Amphipolis, and Potidia. So, yes. different no more names. We can't, these names are too crazy. <laughs> um, so, he was a he was a hoplite. What's that? So mean? That's like a, a that's like the special name for the for the military unit of of Greece. But they they would have fought with a shield, a long spear, and a face mask, kind of like three hundred. No way. Like those those kinds of soldiers. Wow. Yeah. Socrates, I cannot see him in the movie 300. <laughs> apparently he was a pretty good soldier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, speaking of how he looks, apparently he was a pretty strange figure. Um, yeah. So he kind of walked around barefoot, uh, long-haired, unwashed, uh, and this society he was in was very refined, and they had you know, high standards of beauty. So he looked like a homeless man almost. Short and stocky. Oh, yeah. He was, this is probably the ugliest guy we've done so far. <laughs> At least the, the the research we've done has has brought up more people referencing his uh, homeliness. Yeah, compared any to, of the others. any of the others, yeah. Uh, by all accounts, physically ugly with an upturned nose and bulging eyes. Yeah. They said it, it made it look like you were all, he was always staring at you. Which sounds weird. <laughs> but he, he liked to focus on the mind more than the body. Yeah, so. he mentions that a lot, you know. Yeah. 
big part of his Maybe philosophy. Maybe for a good reason. Anyways, yeah, so, you know, he's growing up. Uh, here we are. It's, you know, the 400 uh, B.C. range, and uh-huh. he's a stonemason. He, he becomes a soldier for a good amount of time. Uh, he marries a woman. We're not going to say her name. It's too insane, but marries her, and... Uh, Do we want to go into the... Uh son's name, sir? Oh, my gosh. Those two. Well, one of them is named after his father, right? I'm pretty sure it's the same. Wow. Yeah, it is. Um, she had, they had three sons. Yep. And it seems like the majority of his life, like you said, uh, he did like philosophy, at least for part, partly of his life, was, it was part-time, and his wife would complain yeah. that this isn't making us any money. She didn't think he, he wasn't taking care of the family. It was what he, she yeah. was saying. I mean, a valid point. She looks silly in retrospect thinking he's one of the greatest minds of all time. <laughs> yeah. uh, she wanted him to... Maybe you should have listened. Yeah, <laughs> should have listened. Um, but he kind of went around, and he got a good following of students. Um, and uh, people, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of people loved him. A lot of his students did. They really respected him. And Yeah, apparently he didn't have much to do with his son's upbringing, though. Like he kinda, yeah, kind of stepped away from that. Didn't really do much with his own family, but was very influential and... Yeah with others, with the community. Well, he falls into two... Well, the first category is um, we've seen so far is... Well, his, none of his parents died, at least at an early age. That yeah, we, we didn't get that. Now, he is really old, so we don't know. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but no writings say they did. And But he does have um, family problems, at least with his own family, as yeah, far as his wife. Like sacrificed. Yeah, exactly. His family's interest for his, for his work's interest. It, it seems like it's a theme. Yeah. That uh, if you want to fulfilling family uh, a loving you know wife and you want to help raise your kids and make them strong and that's your focus it seems like you're not going to be on this list which is really sad yeah it seems like well Abraham Lincoln I feel like he had okay relationship with his kids at least yeah but he had the problems with his father and his, and wife. his wife was kind of crazy yeah he didn't like his wife yeah well this is the same thing because they they say that Socrates' wife had a quote-unquote undesirable temperament. Oh, yeah. I don't think he liked it. I got some good quotes about how much he loved marriage after (laughs) this. Um, Anyway, so Socrates goes around. He's preaching uh, sort of his philosophies and and living his principles. We got some fun stories. We'll dive into a little bit more of his, I guess you could call it doctrine, his his philosophies. Um, But eventually he, uh, I mean, well, for about a half a century, you could kind of walk around the streets and you could just philosophize. You know, you could just talk about things. And uh, a lot of the society, things started to turn a little bit ugly. They lost a big war. Yeah. They were kind of ashamed. The economy crashed year in, year out. Men were coming home dead. The population was starving. The political landscape was turned upside down. And all of a sudden, these bright ideas that philosophers were bringing and these eternal questions and eccentric ways they started to just start bother people yeah and uh anyways around that same time uh it was a spring in 399 bc was uh from what i found the first democratic court in the story of mankind they summoned uh to trial the 70 year old socrates Mm -hmm. so 70 year old he comes in yeah he was so you mentioned the sort of the athenian values were kind of going downhill, so they were they were focusing more on on wealth and physical beauty and kind of military might kind of stuff instead of on the mind and virtue and that kind of thing. So Socrates was was teaching these uh, more of an emphasis on on those more wholesome values and sort of 
put the community in an uproar. You could say like yeah. they, they kind of brought him to trial for it and end up well sen- sentencing him to death. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he was ac- accused of corrupting the youth of Athens. Yeah, and not believing in the gods of the state, which is really interesting. Um, and uh, it seems like a little bit similar to Christ. I mean, I guess Christ was accused of saying he was God, right? Yeah, blasphemy. Blasphemy. I guess they didn't have freedom of religion back then in, in Greece. Yeah, seems it. But corrupting the youth, just spreading these... It's like a prophet. It seems like someone who's trying to bring truth and the people just kill him. So uh, the way he died was he drank a cup of brewed hemlock. Mm-hmm. Where, where is that... Is that from like a movie, Hemlock? Is that Hunger Games or something? Why does that sound to Harry Potter? I don't know. I feel like I've heard that before. But Hemlock is a plant that is poisonous. Yeah. So you, you mix it into a drink, and so that was supposed to kill him. And then uh, they told him to walk around until his legs grew numb, and then he would lay down, and surrounded by his friends, he waited for the poison to reach his heart, and then he died. So that's pretty much the story of his life. You got anything to add in there? Any other details? Uh, no. Okay. That's it. Let's go on to some of his greatest accomplishments and kind of go into his works a little bit more. So as we, as we go into his works, what one thing you guys have to realize is everything we're talking about from Socrates comes from two of his students. So from what we know, Socrates didn't leave any writings Uh, Plato was one of his students. The other one, it's kind of hard to say his name. Uh, Xenophone, Xenophone. Uh, anyways, those are pretty much almost everything we know about Socrates comes from these two guys. Yeah. A lot of people dispute stuff. They don't know if you know these students uh, who loved their former teacher were just kind of uh, embellishing things, you know, or adding uh, things to his accomplishment well, you know, list. People always talk about how great people were after they die. Exactly. You know, it's always they're always better than they were. Yeah. Really, so. Um, so, first thing is obviously we've heard of the Socratic method. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's Socratic method has often been considered as a defining element of the American legal education, right? Wow. So, to uh, cross-examine a witness. Um, so yeah, it, it's sort of like to solve a problem, we, we break it down into a series of questions, and the answers to those questions gradually distill the answer a person would seek. So we're just kind of slowly narrowing the focus down to like the heart of the issue and mm-hmm. finding the, the, the solution to the problem. Some of these things may sound uh, may sound common knowledge, you know? Um, but just remember, this is 2,600 years ago, 2,400 years ago, pretty revolutionary at the time. Yeah. And it caused a lot of uproar. People were kind of frustrated because usually at the end of uh, the Socratic method, you feel like an idiot because the obvious, the truth is so so blatant that you feel silly that you even questioned it before. Yeah. Um, one of the fun uh, things that so- Socrates would uh, help his students explore was this paradox. He So he called it the weakness of will. Uh, in other words, doing wrong when you generally knew what was right. And he said that it didn't exist, which is really interesting. Um, he thinks that people only did wrong when at the moment they per- the perceived benefits seemed to outweigh the costs, which is pretty interesting to think about. So the, uh, the idea is that people 
like even if in in hindsight we see that something could be termed wrong, you know, they did something evil or whatever. Um, from their point of view, it wasn't evil. It was the best course of action because they were they thought that they were doing the best thing to get them to this good end that they were going for. Yeah, exactly. So he says, evil doing always rests upon a false estimate of goods. Uh, a man does the evil deed because he falsely expects to gain good by it, to get wealth or power or enjoyment, and does not reckon with the fact that the guilt of the soul contracted immeasurably outweighs the supposed gain. So in other words, they think that the good is going to outweigh the bad, but the problem is their definition of good. They think that wealth and power and enjoy, and these enjoyments is good. And he said that's not the definition of, of good. And so when people are doing something, Hitler, when he's killing millions of people, you know, he felt like he was doing something, probably in his own mind, that was good. Oh, maybe taking over the world and getting all the power, getting that power was... That needed to be done in order to get to a good end. Yeah, a good end for him to have that power. Um, but what, what he doesn't understand is that the power isn't where goodness is. And that's not where happiness is. And so that's another thing he, uh, that uh, he talked about was uh, he says that everyone strives for happiness. That's the main goal, which I think everyone would already believe. But he says uh, we label what we think will bring us happiness as good. For example, with Hitler, the power, he thinks that having power will bring him happiness. Therefore, having power is good. Those things that we think will bring us suffering, we, we label as evil. Uh, so it follows that if we have a mistaken concept of what is good, then we will spend our lives frantically chasing after things that will not bring us happiness, even if we attain them. So his whole thing is defining. He was very detail-oriented, and defining things was a really big deal to him. And it influenced uh, even Aristotle. And Aristotle, one of the main things he did was classify things, classify all the animal kingdoms, um, he, very into classifying and organizing. And, and Socrates felt the same way. You had to define what good was. And most people aren't doing something bad in their mind. They're just chasing a false good. Does that make sense? Yeah, so did Socrates define what good is? Yeah, so he says there's one supreme good. This is what he said, he claims. And possession of this good alone will secure our happiness. This supreme good is... Well, catch us next week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we'll tell you right after this commercial break. <laughs> after this commercial break. Um, is virtue. So that's what he thinks is the supreme good. That if you have virtue, then you will be happiness. And you will have happiness. And so then the next question is, you know, what is virtue? And he defines it as moral excellence, right? And uh, he had a couple qualities that were really important to him, which were courage, temperance, prudence, and justice. So the, big four. the noble traits, yeah, noble characteristics. And these uh, characteristics, these qualities um, uh, com comprised what virtue was to him. So being courageous, temperate, prudent, and just. And another one I've also heard is uh, wisdom, having wisdom. Yeah. I thought that was on there. But he says, so the very first thing you have to do is you have to know these things. You have to know what is good. You have to know these characteristics. Once you know them, then, only then, can you obtain them. So you have to understand a knowledge of them. So throughout his life, when he was preaching and stuff, 
he was walking around trying to find an answer to these. He was using the Socratic method to try and find out what was temperance. He would ask people, and that was his whole goal. Once you, find, once you know these things and you can define them, then you can obtain them and have virtue. And once you have virtue, that leads to happiness. you lead to happiness. So that was his whole spiel. Cool. Pretty interesting. So one other cool uh, teaching he had was about was about a, a sort of a filter, uh, like a three-pronged filter for gossip or like what he would accept as truth. Yeah, knowledge. Um, so uh, the, there's a story that goes that he was, that someone came to tell him something and he asked the person, is, is what you're saying true? Are you sure it's true? Is it good or is it kind? And is it useful or necessary? And if it's none of those things, then don't say it. Don't tell me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty. I've read that same story, and I remember the guy said, uh, he'd say, is it, is it 100% true? And the guy would say no. And immediately he just feels stupid, you know? And <laughs> why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me if you don't know it's 100% true? But we all do it. You know, we all spread gossip, and then he'd say, is it kind? Which is interesting. It just has. To, I think it just has to fit one of these things. So if it's one hundred percent true, doesn't matter if it's kind, you know. Yeah. Um, or if it's useful to you, then it doesn't matter if it's one hundred percent true. Perhaps it can still help you if it's still useful to you. Yeah. And uh, but even if it's not that true and it's not that useful, if it's kind, you can tell. You know, it's it's a really cool way to to see. But if it doesn't hit any three of those things, then don't bother sharing it. Right. You know. Yeah, it's cool. Okay, well, let's head on over to some cool quotes. Okay, okay. So the first one that I have is, he said that I know that I am intelligent because I know that I know nothing. I saw a lot of quotes that were along these same kind of lines. Where yeah. His, he considered himself wise because of the fact that he realized how little he knew. Exactly. So the, the legend goes, they go to this person, they ask who the wisest person uh, person in Athens is yeah the oracle the oracle and they say Socrates and he doesn't believe them so he goes around asking people trying to find out like to see someone that's smarter than him but what he realizes is that everyone is so I guess arrogant or confident and he he acknowledges his ignorance and because he alone acknowledges that he doesn't know and everyone else thinks they know what they don't know yeah he is the smartest. Is that that's kind of hard to wrap your mind around? Yeah, it's kind of a logical circle. But it's cool. But he realized that the oracle was right. Yeah, he's like, all right, I'm <laughs> yeah, the smartest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I got one. Uh, employ your time in improving yourself by other men's writings, so that you shall come easily by what others have labored hard for. Nice. Pretty much just. Re- learn from the people in the past. Yeah, yeah, don't don't waste your time. Don't reinvent the wheel, right? Nice. That's it. Was that Socrates? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, this one says, Be slow to fall into friendship, but when thou art in, continue firm and constant. That's cool. Yeah. I've heard similar quotes to that. The beginning of wisdom is a definition of terms. Kind of goes along a little bit with his uh, philosophies you have to define things understand what words mean the proper definitions will lead to wisdom by all means marry if you get a good wife you'll become happy if you get a bad one you'll become a philosopher I love it (laughs) I love it so much Um, he was not contented with 
Is that a word? Contented? That's what it says. He who's not contented with what he has would not be contented with what he would like to have. So if you're really bummed out about your life right now and you're wishing you had a big house, you're not going to be happy when you have a big house if you can't be happy now. It's interesting, yeah. There's wisdom. More yeah. wisdom, what's The greatest way to live with honor in this world is to be what we pretend to be. That's really cool. So, yeah. And it makes me think of the idea that we tend to act the way that we perceive others think perceive that we yeah like who like yeah we act like we think others think that we are yeah totally anyway it's interesting the wars and revolutions and battles are due simply and solely to the body and its desires all wars are undertaken for the acquisition of wealth and the reason why we have to acquire wealth is the body because we are slaves in its service mm. that's depressing pretty depressing <laughs> He is richest, this is my last one, he is richest who is content with the least for con- con- contentment is the wealth of nature. It kind of goes along with the one you said a couple yeah. minutes ago. He really lived that way too, you know, like we said, he was like homeless. Yeah, yeah. he didn't feel like he needed a lot. This is my last one. The end of life is to be like God and the soul following God will be like him. Nice. You got another one? No, that's okay. it. All right, let's head on to some cool stories. So we already talked about the oracle one, but I would just add, like, the, where they asked the oracle who the wisest was, I would just add that in this process of figuring this out, he made a lot of prominent Athenians kind of look foolish. <laughs> so that could have also led to his uh, accusations of wrongdoing and eventually to his death, you know, so that's... That's sort of a, just a little addition to that story. Just kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Yeah. Another fun story was that one time he was in the marketplace. The, the details of this story, I kind of saw a couple of different accounts, but the bulk of it is that he was in a marketplace and like looking around at all this stuff, and everyone's like, oh, Socrates, man, you're like, you like all this stuff now, huh? You've been trying to be homeless and not care about possessions, and, and now you're kind of wowed by all these cool gadgets we have. And he said... Uh, I can't believe there are so many things that I don't need. Hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about his death, but they they say that he could have pretty easily escaped his fate. Yeah. Like he had some good connections to people where, well, first of all, he could have chosen exile instead of death. Uh-huh. Like he could have just left the country. He also had some friends in high places who could have, gotten him out of prison or could, they, they could bribed the garbs is what I heard yeah. and, and so they could be, he could have left but at his trial he uh, <laughs> when he was asked to propose his own punishment because they were like well, what should your punishment be he said I, I think I should probably have a wage paid by the government and free dinners for the rest of my life <laughs> to, uh, to finance the time he spent as uh, Athens benefactor teaching people and everything that is so cool yeah that is, that is really funny. <laughs> they probably didn't really like that. We, we talked a little bit about his military career, but he actually saved someone's life. So, like, uh, I don't know if I can't pronounce the guy's name. 
but the, he was a popular Athenian general. He saved the life of a, of a general. So he had a pretty good reputation as a soldier. He yeah. was courageous, fearless, they said. Um, speaking of his death, another interesting part was apparently some of his last words were that to his uh, to one of his students, Crito, that we owe a rooster to a Sepolis. Please don't forget to pay the debt. It's like right before he dies, he's like, I owe this man a rooster. And make sure you get him a rooster. That's what he's thinking about. I kind of have an obsession with the last words. I think it's really interesting to see the moment before someone leaves what is important to them. Yeah, we talked about Charles Darwin had some good last words too. He right? did have some good before ones. Before he died, talked about his family and like to tell everybody that yeah. they did well to him. So that's all I got. Um, I got, I got uh, one or two more. So kind of interesting. Um, there was this guy named Leon of Salamis, and this pretty much we don't know a lot about this guy, but he was a man of high and well-deserved reputation, and he was put to death though he had not committed the shadow of a crime. And uh, Socrates, along with three other people, were brought toward, uh, in front of the uh, tyrannical Athenian government, and they ordered Socrates to participate in the arrest and execution of this man, and he refused. Doesn't sound like that big a deal, but the cool thing is that Martin Luther King would cite this in his letter from Birmingham jail. He would talk about Socrates and how he refused to, he, he kind of went against the government for what he thought was right. Reminds me of Batman. Batman begins. Remember they told him to execute that guy? He's like, I'm not going to do it. And then he escapes the. Yes. Yeah. That was cool too. It's a good one. Um, right before he died, Someone asked, why are you looking so happy? We are crying and weeping. Um, and Socrates said, why should I not be happy? I've known what life is. Now I would like to know what death is. I'm at the door of a great mystery, and I'm thrilled. I'm going on a great journey into the unknown, and I'm simply full of wonder. I cannot wait. Crazy. That's cool. We, uh, did you have any other stories? I got one more, but yeah, you go. Uh, I was going to... It's a little sneak peek into our next guy because he, he had a similar story around his death, just like where yeah, totally he, where he could have chosen another path. You know, like we talked about, Socrates could have escaped death; he could have gone to exile, but he welcomed it with open arms. He's like mm-hmm. I'm ready for the next. Wasn't afraid of great it. Great adventure. Last story I have. It just talks about how Socrates seemed to enjoy a peculiar kind of private piety. Uh, relying on what he called his daimonian uh, or his, quote, inner voice. This, now they're calling it a demon, I guess, but it would come to him during uh, episodes when the philosopher stood still staring for hours. So I don't know if it was negative or positive. I was hoping it was, I kind of like to believe it was more of a positive, like a, a conscious, you know, like a spiritual guidance from above that was helping him find truth. Um, and you know, sitting still for hours is really similar to pondering, meditating. You know, but a lot of people think he had like some mental problems too. Or he was daydreaming, like Walter Mitty. You know. Yeah, totally. Just like imagining that crazy fight with a stretch Armstrong. That's 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 a that's our ad for the that's a definite possibility. That's our yeah. Um, all right, well, that's all I got for stories. Let's just uh, finish up real quick and talk about why we think he was great and and why he's on this list. Yeah, sure, I can start. So if you think about a guy like like Socrates, his 
he it's admirable sorry admirable that he was always seeking after truth and he devoted his life to it he was basically he was he was willing to make sacrifices obviously and you know we we talk about this with a few different people and we talked about it earlier where they kind of end up sacrificing things in their personal life family relationships for their work and you know, I don't know whether it's a good or I think it can be good it's good in some ways it had good effects obviously his work has had a large influence over millennia because we're still talking about it today but you think about the way that he made his family feel probably like he didn't really bring up his he wasn't really close to his sons his he didn't really have a great relationship with his wife so, I don't know, I'm kind of, kind of going off on a tangent here, but it's okay. he, uh, he definitely accomplished a lot, was able to gain a lot of the wisdom and knowledge that he was seeking, I think. But he made sacrifices along the way, and I think that's, that's, a, that's a common theme for a lot of the people that we, that we talk about on this podcast, is that, that they make sacrifices for the things that they want, and... You know, who knows? Maybe he, it's ironic that he was talking about these things that we perceive it, that are good, that we go after, and maybe we find out that, that it's not necessarily that great. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe if he could go back in his own life, he might have made some... Well, I'm sure he, everybody makes mistakes. He, he could have chosen some things differently, but he may have spent a little bit more time focusing on the relationships in his his closest relationships like with his wife and family yeah like possibly what you're saying is he talked about the definition of good is the most important thing and what if his definition was wrong yeah what if you know good is raising your family and being a part of them and not being remembered but then is that but what he accomplished and the influence he's had from his death until today you know that good yeah. does that does that make up for what he may have missed out on in his own life. That could be a whole podcast. Maybe we should do that. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, very be- first off is that he, his name has lasted 2,400 years. That alone makes you're going to be at least, uh, we're going to have to examine that life and see why people have remembered them. I think people could have been greater than Socrates who aren't remembered, we, but we can't, we don't know their names. We have no history. We can't talk about them. But the fact that he... Lasted is huge. I mean, he talked about his biggest things, the virtues, courage, the fact that he had the courage to die, the fact that he stuck up for that uh, Leon guy and refused to put him to death. And that could have cost him to get put to death by not um, sanctioning that, by, by not, uh, you know, supporting that. I think he definitely wasn't afraid of man. This is a time where people are wearing the nicest clothes and everyone's clean and they got all these gadgets and and think about Hunger Games District One and you're a homeless man. So he did he didn't care about what people thought about him, which I think takes a lot of courage. Uh, he the next one he talked about was temperance, you know, not going too far, you know, and, and prudence, which I think he was pretty good at as well, and uh, and then justice. I think part of the reason he didn't run away was he felt that the legal system had voted and wanted him to get put to death. Yeah. And he felt that obeying the legal system was just. And so I think 
obviously his wisdom. I think he was a man among boys, you know, and I think he took human mankind, you know, advanced us like leaps and bounds in the terms of knowledge and wisdom. And it, it caused this, this domino effect. I mean, right after him, we have Plato. Right after Plato, we have Aristotle. You know, it, it opens up these doors of thoughts. And so I think uh, some people like Socrates, I feel like they almost are, they are discoverers. Is that a word, discoverer? Sure. I think so. I think, I think so, some people we talk about this list, they do great with what they have. Like Alexander the Great. He's given a kingdom, he's born into it, and he takes over the world with what he has. Yeah. I think some people open up and create new things that no one's ever seen before. I think Isaac Newton is like that. I think Socrates was like that. I think he opened up things in this world to mankind and, and to what we think that we've never seen before. And it just changed everyone since then. Abraham Lincoln, he was given something. He did amazing things with what he had. But it seems like Socrates is a, is a little bit more unique, you know? I think... Um, yeah, more like kind of kind of like Buddha too. Yeah, exa- exactly like Buddha. A lot like Buddha where he had this thirst for the truth and he was willing to go to extremes to find it truth seems to be like a consistent theme they talk about their love for truth and their pursuit of it it's really cool but that's all i have you got anything no that's it all right well catch us next week we're going to be talking about i think arguably the greatest scientist of all time he well definitely probably the most influential scientist of the 20th century. Modern area, the 20th century. Easy, yeah. yeah. He one-upped Isaac Newton. Not many people in the world can ever say that. His name is Albert Einstein. Well, like, share, follow, comment, and uh, you know, tell us who you think we should do next. That's all we got for today. This has been World Changers. I'm Stephen. I'm Brett. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.